Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times. And we'll try to post something every day, usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. Today is Saturday, March 27th, which means tomorrow is the fifth Sunday of Lent. And with that in mind, I find myself today reflecting not so much on the readings today at Mass, although they're very rich to be sure, but I'm thinking more and more about the days that are about to begin. If tomorrow's the fifth Sunday of Lent, then that means next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday, or Passion Sunday, is the beginning of Holy Week, which is the single most important, momentous, and significant week in human history. Now, usually most of us are trying to squeeze the celebrations in uh, for Holy Thursday and Good Friday and maybe the Easter Vigil if we're really feeling ambitious or Easter Sunday. We're trying to squeeze them in in the midst of our crazy lives, uh, school breakations, our work. Maybe some of us are probably not very attentive to what's going on at all. But not this year. Everything's different this year. And all of us have time to prepare for this great week in a way that we never have before. And so with that in mind, I thought I'd try to just do two things today. One is I want to encourage you to check out um, a resource that I have found to be tremendously helpful for me. I'm one of those people who loves to read and Oftentimes what I do is I just quote other people. I don't think I have an original thought in my mind, but one of the authors that I've deeply fallen in love with is a woman named Fleming Rutledge, and she has a book called The Undoing of Death, which was published, I think, in 2002. It's a collection of her sermons. She's an Anglican priest in uh, Holy Week and then Easter and the Easter season. I can't encourage you enough to run to Kindle or wherever you get your books online if you can't go out and to download this book and just to feed on her reflections on these great days that we're about to celebrate. So not only do I want to encourage you to check out the book, I actually thought I'd just read a little section, if I could, from one of her reflections, actually one of her sermons from Palm Sunday so many years ago. And you'll get a flavor of who she is and of what it is that God can and wants to do for your life and mine this week. So it's more like storytelling time with Father John on this Saturday, I guess. So here's what Fleming writes. The Palm Sunday liturgy has a sort of genius about it. It combines the festivity of the palm procession with the dreadful story of the crucifixion. I would imagine that anyone coming to the Palm Sunday service unprepared would be in quite a state of shock. No one is off the hook today. All of us who sang, Thou art the King of Israel, thou David's royal son, shouted shortly thereafter, Crucify him. Indeed, the evangelist Luke sharpens the point by adding that the people were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. 
It can't be said too often. Those who clamored for Jesus' death were not the Jews. They were us. There is a sense in which the most important Sunday to be in church is Palm Sunday, because no other Sunday places us so squarely in the middle of the action. I want to call your attention to one verse in the Passion according to St. Luke. This is chapter 22, verse 52 and 3. Jesus said to the chief priests and the captains of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Let us focus on this verse for a moment, Fleming writes. All four evangelists picture Jesus squarely in the center of the struggle between two cosmic powers. The forces of evil are going to be unleashed against him in full strength. C.S. Lewis once wrote that the mere sight of the devils was one of the greatest among the torments of hell. At the bottom of all worlds, that face is waiting whose sight alone is the misery from which none who beholds it can recover. Jesus has been banishing demons, demonstrating his power over them all during his ministry. Now he is about to give himself over to them. No wonder he prayed on Thursday night, let this cup pass from me. In a bookstore a few months ago, she writes, I found a book of paintings of the crucifixion. I bought it and brought it home and began looking through it. One in particular, I will never forget. Even if we had a screen, we would not show it in church. It is too horrible. It looks somewhat as the crucifixion must have really looked. For one thing, the Lord has no loincloth, as he certainly would not have had in real life. For another, the viciousness and cruelty of crucifying a human being is made plain in a way that I had not seen before. We see the Roman soldiers going about their work in the most unsparing way. It is an illustration of the saying, this is your hour and the power of darkness. Most of us have never seen anyone tortured to death, and God willing, we never will have to. But we are implicated in the powers of darkness just the same. When you look at a picture of the crucifixion, you realize this is what human beings can do. Without doubt, the Romans were proud of their ability to keep order in the empire with the gruesome method of death they had devised, and they went about it in the same efficient way. It was distasteful, certainly, but these undesirable people had to be disposed of as a deterrent. That is the way the human species thinks. As many theologians and virtually all great literary artists have seen, we human beings live according to the whims of the power of death. Jesus gave himself up, body and soul, to the powers of darkness. He prepared himself to look into the face of the devil. This is the way that God chose to save us from that power that held us in bondage by submitting to it himself. During this coming week, the church commemorates and dramatizes the victory of the Son of God over the dark powers I beg you, do not let any secular story 
or alternative story take priority over this one in your hearts and minds. The church does not try to deceive you. We are summoned to stare evil in the face. We are summoned to watch at our Lord's side. We are invited to see what human beings can do. We will see ourselves as Judas who betrayed the Lord, as the religious leaders who condemned him, as Peter who denied him, as the crowd who shouted, crucify him, and as the thief who mocked him. But St. Luke in his passion narrative invites us to see ourselves also as the other thief, the one who made no excuses, but threw himself on the mercy of the Son of God. When the repentant thief heard the other one cursing Jesus, Luke tells us he rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Let us be that thief today. Come to the King who loves us and gives himself for us so that the hour of darkness, having exhausted itself upon him, will have no power to claim those whom he calls to his everlasting Jerusalem, now and forever. Amen. Again, I encourage you to do everything you can in these days to prepare in earnest for the great week that we're about to celebrate, a week that in the midst of this pandemic, we realize we need like we never needed before because only God can give us the solution to what truly plagues our race, namely death. But he has. And because he has, you don't have to be afraid. He's with you in the midst of all of this. You were born for this time.